0: What up fuckers, it's Christina Hutchinson And Corinne Fisher, you're about to Listen to a clip from Guys We Fucked The anti-slut shaming podcast Today we are interviewing uh, Author, podcasts all around British hot babe Dolly Alderton uh, We talk about her, the release of Her novel Ghosts in the U.S. Uh, relationships t- Talking about relationships Publicly, you know, growing up As a, per- a woman in the World who is you know, being exploitative with her love life, but also wants to have a private love life. It's really fun. It's a long time coming. And uh, if you want to listen to the entire episode, you're going to go to apple.co slash GWF, where you can uh, subscribe to Luminary, which is where this podcast lives. Enjoy.
1: Every time I hear you guys talk about like some person, some listener who's being like super fucking creepy and <laughs> Weird messages in the dead of night and like watching all your stories and liking things too fast. I'm like, here's my shout out. They're talking about me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I never notice when people, what time people DM me and like the liking thing that all goes over my head. I'm not, I'm not as observant as, as one would think. Or maybe not one wouldn't think I'm observant, but, (laughs) but we really appreciate you being such a, not only being a fan of the show, but like spreading the word. I feel like, I feel like we have a really substantial audience in England because of you. And I, that's amazing. We're crediting you with all of it. Yeah. You're single-handedly got every one of our British fans.
1: Well, Well, I'm just completely obsessed with you guys. I've been listening to you since I was like 27 and you've accompanied me on so many different journeys and, and when I'm traveling and sad times and good times. And weirdly me, the way I feel about you two has helped me understand why so many people were psychotic about my podcast. Mm. Because I, like, I know that if you two decided to stop the podcast, I would be like, so livid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that <laughs> happened when you stopped your podcast with Pandora.
1: Yeah. People were just really, really deeply hurt. And, and, and they invested. Really, yeah. Really grieved it. And, I I, I, there was a bit of a disconnect I couldn't really understand but I honestly do look at the way I feel about you two and how just like inappropriately one-way intimate I feel with you two well it is
2: one-way intimacy it's true it it really is and it's you're getting I mean I feel like with guys we've fucked it's very intimate and that a lot of times sometimes my good friends I don't have these conversations with like in real life just because you know, I, I, we, I use Guys We Fucked as a place to dissect my own mm-hmm. desires and thoughts. And yeah. it's really unique. So I think that you are getting like, it is intimate. And when like, it, I'm reading this book on attachments and building bonds and how intimacy is necessary to build a bond. And it, it's almost scientifically like it makes you connected to one another. Like when you and a friend uh, share intimate stories or whatever. And so I do, th- it makes sense why we have uh, that relationship with the listeners or why they have the reaction to Guys We Fucked um so your
1: friend do your friend do your close friends listen every week
0: no my best friend listen I mean I I have two I have two best friends the the male one listens every week oh yeah shout out to Tom yeah
1: obviously I know his full name um
0: Which is great. I'm like, oh, he, he, well, you know, he, he's really good at scheduling and he's a therapist. So I like that he listens, you know, just to basically like double check uh, uh, the advice that we give. So we're not
2: like, like you know, is this way ruin off ruin base? Lies. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, and, and also too, Kurt and I, I've listened to other podcasts that like do like sex and dating advice just to see like what everybody's saying, like Dan Savage. I listen to his podcast every, almost every week because um, he is the godfather of sex advice. But um, it's interesting to see how other people... Dole out advice and the types of problems that a listener asks other podcast hosts and i'm like god We really do have a more intimate relationship with our listeners than Other podcasts out there because uh, uh, like someone like dan savage doesn't get as personal about his life the way we do
1: Yeah And also I think what's so interesting about the because i'm an agony aunt as well I like, you know, uh, is agony aunt a term over there. Mm-hmm It's like a a, like a problem page. So in a a newspaper here, I have people write in every week and I kind of help solve their problems. And something I find so interesting about the problems that you guys get is that your listeners know that when they're going to disappoint you. Like increasingly I've noticed that people who send you problems, every other sentence is a caveat of like, I know I'm being a massively dumb bitch. Which
2: I'm so proud of them for realizing because I feel like that's that's how you develop your own superpower. I feel like Corinne and I have this superpower, our our own individual superpowers that we can impart onto the listeners by just planting a little seed of like, oh, now you can ask yourself that question instead of being in front of us and us asking it. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, you're totally right. And I that makes my heart very happy
1: yeah
0: so, I mean yeah because I, I kind of always envision you as like the Carrie Bradshaw of the UK with having a column in the newspaper I mean what has that I mean, can you tell us a little bit about like how you decided to do that how you got that position and what it's been like throughout the years because I'm I I think it's like the most classic way to give relationship advice and mm. it's very cool that you get to do
1: that oh thanks do you know what it is it's kind of ended up being the dream gig because when I was in my early mid 20s, I was right. You know, that like a boom around 2012, where it was just mediocre white women like me getting paid like a hundred dollars, an article to just like talk about their G-spot. Like I basically. <laughs> a lot
0: yeah. refinery
1: 29 yeah. articles. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the, yeah, I was really a part of that boom. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, and I was doing that until I was about 26. And then uh, a friend of mine who who edited me at one of those uh, online magazines, went over to the Sunday Times uh, style supplement, and they were looking for a dating columnist and I don't know if you guys find this, and this is when, like, I know there's a big reckoning at the moment about how much we ask young female writers to share of themselves. But really, me being like so promiscuously truthful and so such an exhibitionist, and so happy to talk about my sex life, really fucking launched my career because no one else really wanted to do it. And I obviously now the thought of doing it is appalling to me. But age twenty six, it's kind of the perfect time to do it, and there weren't that many other single girls willing to talk about it um, because they had boundaries and self-respect. And
2: it (laughs) seems like the Brits are a little shy when it comes to sex, talking about sex, or at least historically, like I remember when Corinne and I did our run at what theater, the Soho theater Theater in London, it was so interesting to see how shy everybody was. But then once we kneaded the dough a little bit, they were just floodgates open, so it was yes. almost like they were sitting, like waiting. But you really had to get through these these walls that I
1: were put need, up. Like, American permission. Or something. <laughs> yeah, when we're... you say when you say kneading the dough, I think you mean like them guzzling three bottles of Sauvignon Blanc. That's... Prob-
2: possibly, <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> is that like is that is that an ad, uh, something that you've picked up on living there? Because I know it's hard. Like when you grow up there is. Seriously. Totally,
1: yeah. 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 I was even thinking about it today, actually, because I now, I really do try not to talk about my sex life and my love life at all, really, anymore. And and I don't write about it anymore, just because I wrung that flannel so dry. And then, obviously, after my memoir was published, suddenly I had so many more people uh interested in the details and the specifics of my life and I felt so exposed which is obviously all my own doing um that now I'm much more bounded and then I was like I can't go on guys we fucked my favorite podcast and be boundaried and it's weird <laughs> like that thing that you guys talk about about shame I always think that I'm someone who's like quite free of sexual shame and then I really think about people knowing about my sexual proclivities or about what turns me on and it mortifies and it makes me realize there must be some shame there that I'm not even aware of
0: or
2: or or I would venture to say maybe it doesn't feel good for the whole world to know what makes your pussy wet yeah that's intimate, that's intimate. like yeah, that's and, yeah, and it's something it that's That is something that's supposed to be shared because I totally hear you on that. And I myself have been like, Oh, it's easy for me because I haven't had sex in so long and I'm not dating anybody. So that area is I can't talk about it if I wanted to, because nothing's happening. But I will say when I start dating again, I don't know how open I'm going to be because I want to save that for me and the guy. I don't want to, I don't want to do something just to talk about it. And I don't want to feel like I'm doing that. And I want to, be intimate. I can't imagine how that guy would feel like I'm not, <laughs> that's, that's something that's shared between the two of you. Yeah. So I think having yeah. it, keeping it there is nice.
0: For all that I, for all that it seems that I have shared, I have not shared that much, you know, and I yeah. think there's a way to do it where you lean into certain parts and really share a hundred percent of those, but like pretty much the whole time, uh, I, uh, I was dating, like, my ex, who the main ex from uh, the show. Like, I, I, I kept a lot of stuff to myself, both good and bad.
1: I had to really stop myself there. When you said, Corinne, uh, my ex from the main show, I had to stop myself from being like, I know him and I hate him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you not wanting to share doesn't necessarily mean you have shame. I think it's intimacy is intimacy for a reason, and that's because not everybody knows about it, and it's just your own secret private thing between you and another person.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I was just gonna say that's the thing about sex positivity that's the only, like, fault that I can find in the movement of, like, if we're so positive about all of it all the time, and we're being so open about all of it all the time, none of it's fucking dirty and dark and secret anymore, and that's what's really wrong. Right,
0: (laughs) right. No, I agree. I like that's like what kind of weirds me out about like usually like sex parties or like you know kind of like things like of that nature that are more open like the sex actual community, what what turns me away from it is like there's too much openness almost. There's too much conversation, there's too much yeah. openness and then there's no surprise yeah. to it. So where does that leave us? And there was a weird overlap with anti-slut-shaming where it
2: was like, okay, so I'm going to go out and fuck oh, oh are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go out and fuck three guys tonight and it's going to be awesome. And I'm an independent woman. And it's like, okay, but you also have to really understand there's balance. Like do you have a balanced sex life? And every person knows what balance feels like, whether they pretend to not or, or whatever. But so it's like, if, if you're, if you're talking about maybe your sex life is not balanced, you're kind of fucking around and doing this stuff to a point where it seems like you're filling a void. I feel yeah. like that's, that was, that's like a gray area that's crept up recently where it's like, well, don't shame me for fucking everybody. Well, it's like, yeah, it's not that it's more like encouraging people to have a balanced life. And with balance comes disclosure and like what you talk about, and what you don't talk about. And kind of, you know, I think that people can be imbalanced when they talk about fucking too much
1: yeah yeah I feel my friend has um recently submerged herself in the like sex positive kink community, and I did warn her I was like by the way they 're all losers <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I was like they're not what you think they are, and sure enough, within a week, she was talking to a guy, and he 'd sent over a spreadsheet an excel spreadsheet of like all the things that they could do, and she had to like fill in in a column, whether she would like, yes, no, or maybe. And
0: that is when it's yeah. 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 And it's like, it's lovely. And like, there should be consent, but like, there's a part where it's like, I don't want to feel like I'm my parents are signing off on me going on a, on a field field trip, trip, you know, (laughs) it's a little too (laughs) much. It's weird. Did you ever feel like when you were writing the column in your twenties and being very open that you started doing um, sexual activities performatively for fodder for the
1: show, for the column? So, the Sunday Times is like, um, it's quite a conservative paper. Um, so, it was mainly what's like, it would, I would never talk really graphically about sex. I would talk about who I was sleeping with and the frequency with which I was sleeping with people. Um, I mean, it's so difficult. I, I'd love to know if you guys. Have this quandary. It's so difficult when I trace back, like, what makes me constantly seek out interesting stories and basically maximum drama all the time. Whether that was something <laughs> I was born with, or, or you know, whether that's like an appetite for living, or whether it's just that I started narrativizing my own life to make money at such a young age that I now feel a panic if I feel like I'm not collecting content at all times. Mm. Because that definitely like that was, a pro- that was definitely a problem with the dating column. And when I went into therapy for the first time and she was like, basically, I think you're a sex and love addict. She said like, you've basically, you've got, you've, you've, give, you've worked out how to have a career that completely enables. And like, not only does it enable this habit, but it like pays you money to go out mm. and try and find as much romantic conflict and excitement in your life as possible. Um, so, yeah, I think the short answer to your question is, yeah, I think I probably did do that when I was trying to find material every week, but I think I've kind of been doing that my whole life anyway. Like I've got to well, really eye yeah. on it.
2: This show is sponsored by Better Help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big, some of them are small, a lot of them are very big, uh, but we keep them bottled up and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and, and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Well, I think that we're on this planet to experience things. Yeah. And when we experience something is when we our horizons are opened, our curiosity is ignited, our creativity, whatever it is to have experiences traveling is an experience and one of one of the greatest experiences in intimacy and human connection is sex so I think that yes it could be done because you're chasing this um, desire to share with people and you have this captive audience and it's exciting to share with them because especially if you feel like oh they're they're really feeling empowered from it um, so I think it's a, probably a combination of both because I think that it's natural for human beings to want to chase experiences regardless. I mean I want to do if I want to do all the weird stuff, all the creepy like I want to I constantly want experiences. And so yeah, just checking in with yourself going am I doing this? I had a th- I had a three-way uh it was great with two dudes. One of them was a porn star and I'll never not brag about it. And uh, but I was obsessed
1: like, with it and my favorite detail of it was that you were worried about your sty. <laughs>
2: I was in the hospital days before with an eye. I'm like, well, because I had one contact in. And I'm like, how do I fuck two men with one contact in? Because my sight's very bad. But a lot throughout that process, when I was like the guy that I was sleeping with, that we had this idea together and we flew the guy in, I kept asking myself, like, you're doing this because this turns you on, right? And my answer was always yes. So yes. Well,
0: yeah, that's my point. I think because I think some people experience want to experience experience things to uh, experience them. And then some people want to experience them to talk talk about about them to other people, to post about it on Instagram, to say, Hey, look at me. I did this thing. You can always feel when it's that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You, I mean, I can, but like, I also think that a lot of people, are living very sad lives performatively yeah. and i think it's important just to like check in on that it's not it's not an issue for people not in the entertainment business really yeah. you know it's yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of an issue only for people who entertain with their real lives
1: which when, is a small
2: group of people when you're known for being yourself yeah that ends up making you question your own actions <laughs>
1: yeah and i think it's just making sure that it's that it's not at the expense of other things that it's not the expense of your integrity or your beliefs or your mental health, you know, that, that's the stuff that I think is really important with, with checking in. Um, but I I ask what, so what were your early attitudes about sex? What impressions were you given? Like
2: what does schools in England, do they cover sex education? I'm assuming they do, but, and if so,
1: what, what kind of things were covered? I mean, I think it was probably as rubbish as it was in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a man and a woman walking through a house with like ginormous bushes, uh, naked, holding hands as a, as a sorry, I should have <laughs> said in a video.
0: <laughs> a video. Yeah,
1: yeah. In school? Yeah, when I was 10. I remember it very, very clearly. I remember being shown a video of birth when I was 10. Yeah, that we saw. They I didn't see when
0: I was 10, though. I saw it when I was, like, 15, maybe. Oh, yeah, see, I got, yeah, that
2: was too soon for us. They showed you Bush, like, this looks, like, that sounds like the beginnings of a porn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, like, it was very 80s, and I remember, I remember, obviously, just being so excited by it. I mean, I was, I was, like, a very horny, humpy kid. Um, yeah. Was there a lot of
2: trauma in your household and you were doing it to soothe yourself?
1: No, I don't know what it was. Weirdly, the other day, my friend and I went for lunch and afterwards we decided to go to like this enormous, enormous toy store in London to go look at the Barbies and uh, because we're both not coping with adult life. And uh, we were talking about the things that we would do with our Barbies. She was like a little pervert girl as well. And we were talking about the things... our Barbies that would give us tingly feelings that we would know we would have to do it in private, but we wouldn't know why. Right. Yeah. So like, wait, did you? What'd you do with your Barbies? Just like make them knock up against each other. Yeah.
2: Oh, I thought you were like fucking them or something. Okay, got it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no just like, wow, that's really uh, woof, that's some grown ten-year-old shit.
1: No, we were looking at like, there was this mermaid tail that you attach to the torso of Barbie that you have to like fill with a squidgy glittery gel. And as we were talking about it, I was like, I would have known to have done that privately. I would have known to have done that in a locked bathroom. I just- <laughs> <laughs> um, but weirdly, it wasn't like I didn't, I had a very happy childhood. I was very lucky. I had a very uh, lovely, loving parents. Um, Did we- they talk to you about it? No, not really. I think my mum is a bit, I think she thinks that she did talk to us about sex and she did, but it was in quite a moralised way. Like, mm. sex was always about an expression of love. And I, if I ever had kids, I think that's a bad way to go.
0: Yeah. It can be expression of yourself, your own sexuality, like your existence on the earth. It doesn't always have to be because if you're if it's only about love, you're going to feel bad about yourself any other time you do it. Yeah.
1: And that's rare. right. Or
0: you're going to rob yourself of ever doing it when you're not in love, which I think is also a criminal kind of.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I also think as well that it then makes you feel enormous shame about having any sort yeah. of relationship with yourself. Good morning. Right.
0: Oh, yes. I, I I would never even thought of that. Masturbation is like just such a not like a, such a non-issue for me. But yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was like I was just it's I'm so fascinated by like when kids start getting horny. And it's like something mm-hmm. I see with my godchildren and it's so it like it makes people uncomfortable in a way like nothing else. It, it's so uh-huh. and it means yeah. it's so incredibly ignored. Um, but you know, they're very overwhelming, overpowering feelings that you get when you're like six or seven or yeah. I I felt really managed with me at all. I wish someone had talked to me about it a bit more.
2: Right. Yeah. I used to hump things all the time when I was a kid, like five, six, seven years old. And I thought I was so scared. I was going to get pregnant. I didn't know anything about I just knew that the woman gets pregnant and I don't, I don't even think anybody told me involved sex. I was so young. I just, but I was like, today's the day that I'm pregnant and I would like <laughs> look at my underwear for blood. Cause I thought that's how, that's how I yeah. thought it yeah. Oh, boy, was.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, when, how old were you both when you had that con- when that conversation was had with you? Oh, with a parent?
2: Mm. My mom said, there was two people having sex on the beach while we were on a family vacation. And she looks at me and goes, Do you know what they're doing? And I go, Yes, they talked to me about it in school. And that was the most I've ever talked to her about. sex. Wow.
0: Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I'm a very hard to talk to. Um, still am proud of it. Uh, don't plan <laughs> on changing. But I uh no, I uh so I think anytime like my mom, I always knew my mom and my dad, like I were open if we had any questions. They would never say like a question was bad or not answer a question that we had. Uh, But I, anytime it was like, uh, it it was brought up, I would be like, I don't need to know that. And I I, I honestly learned everything I know from books and the internet, but that's just how I like to learn. And Mm -hmm. had I actually had a real pressing question, I think I would have asked it. But like my questions, I guess the questions I have about life are more about like why people behave in certain ways than the actual acts of sex. That to me, I never found perplexing or even that, interesting really I'm like yeah I just figured it out it wasn't that hard because to me I'm like oh everyone's having sex it can't be that hard because most people are idiots and then I did it and then I was like yep I was right like it's not it's. yeah no I just figured it out and I also I my first boyfriend who I dated for five years, like right when I uh, got into college, was extremely knowledgeable and patient and caring. So I did a lot of my learning with him because I didn't have sex in high school, had no intention on it, did not want to ha- fuck anyone from my New Jersey high school. So yeah, that was like, a that was like really my like true learning experience. And I'm very grateful for that
2: how has dating gone in your twenties? Like what's the arc of your, like, cause oh God, I love being in my thirties. It's so much better. But like when you were in your twenties, like what, what did that look like? Cause for me it was just, but I was like, this is great when it actually wasn't. And I didn't realize it.
1: Yeah. It was like, I mean, I was, I think I always knew that I wanted my twenties to be a time where I would be <laughs> dating lots and lots of people. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so glad I did. I'm so, so glad I did, particularly because I think I do want a family. And I think the only way that I know that I will be able to do that with any semblance of serenity will be knowing that I had a lot of. Dick. Fun. <laughs> yeah. were you, yeah. um, did
2: you explore a lot? Like, do you, were you very like sexually explorative in terms of like, did you go to sex clubs? Did you uh,
1: try three? Like how, how, much have you played with how far'd you go? Yeah, no, I've never gone to a sex club. I've always really wanted to, I've always wanted to go with a girl. And I think that you basically need to find a friendship. There's like a nascent in a friendship with another horny girl, where it's the perfect time for you to both go to a sex club right? Before right. or it gets too weird. Like yeah. I don't really understand those. I'm so close to the women in my life that like, I've got a, a team of women in my life that are like sisters and I don't understand how how like i couldn't watch one of them get fucked, it would make me feel so weird
0: i understand exactly yeah. what you I mean you you need you need one of those way. like fun female friendships that feels like almost like you're a, a, on a fling with someone yeah. but it's not that, and that's hard. Like, I feel like the older you get, the harder it is to, you know, because when you're in your teens and twenties, you're consistently, uh, kind of taking on new female friends in that way. But it does ebb as you get older because, you know, people start getting married and being more serious and spending more time at their job. So they don't have oh. this like fairy, fairy in the woods lifestyle that some of us can maintain for much longer, depending on yeah. our careers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i totally agree i've got like one friend where we definitely could have done it together but she's uh she's fucking married with a baby now uh, yeah man. but yeah That's i mean so I, was quite, <laughs> I was um you know, i was quite experimental i was quite you know what kinds so- of stuff did you do um
2: <laughs> like what were the highlights that you that come to your mind both good and bad
1: Um, okay here are the things that I'm really glad I did that I was when I was in my 20s I'm really glad that I slept with a woman Mm -hmm. I'm really really glad that I I had like two big sexual relationships like romantic relationships that felt like sexual awakenings in my 20s well one of my teens when I was 18 with a much older guy and it kind of like like with you Corinne it just felt like someone he'd been in lots of long-term relationships, which means as we know, those people normally are the best at understanding intimacy. It's so weird to me that we, we're often threatened by the idea of having a partner who's had lots of sexual, lots of sexual partners and no relationships. It's like, they're definitely not going to know how to have sex. I <laughs> <laughs> you know, feel threatened of the people who've been in like four massive relationships yeah. with loads of intimacy. Um, and yeah, so that was like, really that was really loving and that was like someone just like teaching me about sex and teaching me about what that is is like an expression and about my own body and and then I had a relationship in my like mid late 20s with a guy who just made me completely shed all my inhibitions and like body consciousness how how Um, I don't, I just think he just really, really adored me in a way that I hadn't been adored physically like that before. Like, you know, when someone, um, when someone fancies you and it's so beyond something cognitive, like there was something about the essence of me that just turned him on. And I don't think I've ever had that before. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Being adored
0: uh, like is so important. Like that's actually sexual. In, oh my in, God, the, the, in the book that we talked about a, a, for a long time, like a year or so ago, um, getting to I Do, I mean, that's the main need of feminine energy is to be adored. And I think like the that's a very specific word that you don't hear uh, adult women use enough. Like you, you, you talk about when you talk about adoration, a lot of times you, you're talking about a child. And I think it's important, like to remember to adore, adore, adore yourself and to, uh, seek want adored. adoration from others. Cause it seems almost like, I think adult women are almost taught that adoration is like narcissistic and it's absolutely not. You should, you should be adored by your partner. And if you're not, I think there's a problem. That's
1: a problem yeah. <laughs> Oops. Totally. And adoration as well is something about you know, if if you're someone who is insecure or self-conscious or eager to please, which is most of us, I know it's not you, Corinne, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but most of us it is. And um, I think that means that like, love always seems conditional in your head that like someone's going to fancy me if I look like this or if I achieve this or if I'm this funny or if I'm this clever. And there's something about, And to be totally honest, I don't know if I could do it in a long-term relationship because I think I've realized since I turned 30 in the relationships I've had, being obsessed with someone is actually way more important for me than someone being obsessed with me. But I think, yeah, but I think once you've had that feeling of being adored, of it just like it being nothing about what you say and nothing about what you look like. It's something Mm -hmm. about the, the insides of you that just like, if they could just bottle you and carry it around, they you would. Were they to your chemicals, like, yeah. It's really freeing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of
2: things were you, did you do with that guy that you were like, that surprised you?
1: He was just one of those men that was like, so open to anything being thrown at him. Like, which is actually quite rare to find.
2: I think like, people. give me an example. Cause I, I, I have a, I still not quite clear. Like, finger up the butt kind of guy like sure like open attitude all of it
1: bdsm role play stuff up the bar Mm -hmm. all the stuff that that all the like you know bankers in southwest london that i dated in my like early 20s had absolutely no interest in it was just like (laughs) it's like this is a this is a playground of two of us and every nothing that you try the limit yeah. Nothing that you want to try with me. I will, I will say no to nothing could embarrass us. Nothing, nothing that our bodies could do, you know, because bodies, as we know, are unpredictable, particularly in sex. And that's very terrifying. I think as a young woman, yeah. nothing your body or my body could do is going to phase us. Let's try so it out. Trust. So you, you
2: actually had real deep trust sexually with this person.
1: Yeah, and total total intimacy in a way that I didn't like. I, I think it's fine. I just get in my head keep thinking this is on luminary. It's fine. It's fine. It's on luminary. <laughs> We're safe. I don't. It think is that safer. I, I don't think I had a relationship up until that point where I hadn't faked an orgasm. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's common. Yeah. Yeah. It's really common. It's like it's amazing to me how many women I know are still. Still doing that. And something that I think is something that I think is so sad about the faking orgasms, particularly if you're in a long-term relationship from a young woman. If you fake an orgasm early on, that is the bar that is set for that poor guy. <laughs> so then if
2: yeah, you, right. you are saying to yourself, my pleasure doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just going to and it only matters that he thinks I got and it's like, oh my God, that's like the opposite of authentically fucking. Like
1: <laughs> totally. And it just becomes such a slog because it's like my friend had this happen to her where after about like a year she's like okay i'm just gonna not fake orgasms anymore and then she just would like wait to come for as long as it would take and this poor guy would just be like well why aren't you coming like you normally like normally i just have to look at you and stroke your tit and you're having a multiple orgasm right right right, right.
2: well we just had a we interviewed a, a, like a what did she call herself like an orgasm expert sex intimacy coach, uh, oh, yeah. Susan Bratton. And she was talking about, she goes by the time the dick, if we're talking about straight people, cis people having sex, by the time the dick goes into the vagina, the foreplay should be such that it's so slow and so enticing that your whole body is throbbing. Then mm-hmm. you will come from penetrative sex. And I'm like, you know, when you put it like that, you're absolutely goddamn right. But who tells you that? No one. Susan Braddon. That was it. That was the only Like, But it makes all the sense in the world. If you, if you rev it up and you, you, you rev up the engine, you warm everything up, you warm your body up, and then by the time you actually have penetrative sex, if that's the end goal, then it's explosive
1: yeah it's so I've got a friend who's like very very connected to her sexual self and she's very like sexually eloquent and 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 very sex positive in a very authentic way and in a non-excel spreadsheet way and um (laughs) she said to me once when I was talking she was asking about foreplay and she was like how much foreplay do you need or do you want ideally before penetrative sex I was like okay ideal world an hour and I was like how about you and she was like about two weeks and she <laughs> says before she it was so hot the way she described it she was like before she has sex with someone she will basically think of it as two weeks of foreplay and that can be everything from like the drink they have together to right. the glances yeah yeah Nogging and you know and then sending him on his way or and she was like that's how long it takes me to properly warm up
2: we hoped you loved that excerpt from our interview with dolly alderton her book ghosts is now available for purchase in the us of a if you want to hear the rest of our conversation and other full episodes of guys we fucked head on over to the luminary channel on apple podcasts just go to apple.co slash gwf that's apple.co slash gwf This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible,